Welcome to Connect Church. If you are here for the first time, we're thrilled that you've come, and especially on this, uh, this snowy day, you made it out here. Well done. Good, good job, all of you. So um, if you are new here, we're actually, uh, we've been doing a series here for the last few weeks. It's called Making Room for Life, and we're closing out that series here this morning. Uh, we have a website. It's connectwashington.org, and uh, if you want to go on there, you can actually download sermons from previous weeks and listen to them so you can catch up on what you've missed. But the idea behind this series, Making Room for Life, is that, as the video showed, there's a jar there that's full of rocks. And there were large rocks, and there were small rocks. And the small rocks, they kind of represent those things in our lives that just keep us busy. The day-in, day-out busy things of responding to emails, driving the kids to and from um, school or practice, whatever it may be, um, homework, um, if you're a student. You know, just all those kind of day-in, day-out things that have to get done. But those large rocks, we've been talking about those large rocks because the large rocks in our lives, they represent what really should be priorities for us. The, the things that we've said, you know what, this is something that I want to make um, a, a priority in my life. And we've talked about some different things that we, we believe should be priorities. But the interesting thing about that video, if you watched there, you'll have noticed that the first time round, which rocks went in the jar first? Do you remember? The small rocks. Well done. That's absolutely right. So the small rocks went in. And do you know what happened? When they tried to cram the large rocks in, they didn't all fit. But the exact same amount of rocks, if you put the large rocks in first, and then you add the small rocks... Do you know what? Everything fits in. And that's how our lives are. That's how our weeks are. If we try and cram in those priorities at the end of the week, if we think, man, it's not that I don't want to do it. I just haven't made it a priority. I haven't found time um, to set aside to do that. Then what we end up um, finding is that we're trying to jam it into our week and we've just run out of time. Many of us would say, well, surely the solution is to have more hours in a week, more time. Well, unfortunately, that's not going to work because there is a limit to how many hours are in every week. So what we've been talking about in this series, Making Room for Life, is the idea that because we can't add any more hours to our weeks, then the solution is to, to identify what these priorities are and put those in first. Say, I'm going to set a time, I'm going to set aside time this week and make sure that that activity happens. I don't want the busyness of the week to crowd that out of my life. And this morning, just to kind of set up what our, our closing message is going to be about, I want to tell you a story. It's a story I read in the newspaper um, back in the last fall, and it's actually quite a sad story. It's a story about a Bank of America intern who was working in London, of all places, and uh, was discovered dead in his apartment. And they found the reason was that he'd actually been working for 72 hours straight. He'd worked three days and three nights in a row without break. He went home after that long ordeal, and the story says that he just collapsed in the shower. Now, as shocked as I was to read that story, I've got to be honest, I was even more shocked to read as they started to interview other interns that were friends of this young man. They actually started to share, you know what, here at um, this particular bank, the Bank of America here in London, that's pretty common. 100-hour work weeks are fairly common here in the environment that we're in. One of them actually said, you know, the, the balance between work and life is it, tough. We all know that this is going on. But he actually added and said, but in spite of that, some of us really enjoy that. I thought, man, how could you enjoy that much pressure, that much that actually led to this guy's death? 
Now, most of us here this morning, I would assume that we're probably not working 100-hour weeks. But I guess that, that for many of us, we feel like there's probably more going on in our lives than we'd often prefer. For some of us, it's work, 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 go, go, go. So much of the time, it feels like there's just not enough hours in the day. There's just no room in our lives for all the things that we need and want to do. So that's why we've really tackled this series, Making Room for Life, because we live in a busy world. You know, Jesus, we've, we've used this verse every single week because it's a, one of my favorite verses. Jesus himself, he says, I have come um, that you may have life and have it to the full. And when he's talking about full here, he's not referring to our schedules. He's not saying, I want to give you lots of stuff to do. He's talking about full in the sense of just the best, the most abundant life possible. That's what he wants us to, to experience. So each week we've been looking at Jesus and, and looking at these larger rocks that we've been talking about and how he really did set those as priorities in his life. We talked about making room for God. We said that God should be a large rock in our lives. Many of you here this morning, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And, and because of that, you've said, I want God to be a large rock in my life. So we challenged you on that first week. You know, don't just say that. Put your words into action. Set time aside um, each day to spend time with God. Make it a priority to be at church. And you guys did that this morning on this snowy morning. Well done to every one of you. We talked about making room in our lives for people. That people should be a big rock. The relationships that we have with one another, the quality of those relationships, that should be a large rock. We talked about mission, the, what God created us to do. We've talked about generosity. And if you've been here as we've been through this series, we've challenged you in specific ways. We've said, okay, so this is the rock. Now, how does that work in our lives? What would I have to do differently to make this a large rock in my life? As I said, for some, it was setting time aside each day to spend with God. When we talked about following him, some made a commitment to get baptized. And last week, we saw many people up here getting baptized. A fantastic service. When we talked about mission, people signed up and said, I want to use the talents that God's blessed me with, uh, whether it's here at Connect or outside of the church. I want to use what God's given me to do. We talked about being generous. And people stepped up there and said, I feel that that's a, a large rock. I want to be generous in my life. But this week... You're going to like this one because this week, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to do nothing. You like that? Some of you are like, yes, I knew I should have come to church this morning because that's the challenge. Do nothing. I can, I can do that. I can, I can buy into that service. That sounds good. My kind of sermon. But you know what? I actually think that for some of you, of all the rocks we've looked at, this will be the hardest challenge that you've had to face so far in this series. In fact, I'll be totally honest with you, with my lovely wife sat in the front row here, nodding her head profusely. This, this rock this week is one of the hardest ones that I've had to teach on because every phrase I'm saying, every note I've written down, I'm like, oh, Dave, that's you. You need to listen to this. You need to respond to this. So, so even if this means nothing to any of you this morning, thanks for listening in as I preach to myself because I really need to hear what I'm going to talk about today. Because this week, as we close out this series, and I think it's quite appropriate in the whole idea of making room for life, this week we're talking about making room for rest. Making room for rest. Now, I don't just mean rest in the terms of relaxing and kicking back. Maybe this afternoon some of us will rest in a recliner, we'll kind of chill out a little bit. Uh, it includes that, but it's much more than just that. 
Because let's be honest, we may not be like that intern at the Bank of America that I talked about earlier, but all of us could probably say, you know, if I'm honest here this morning, I, I find myself getting too busy. Work, activities outside of work, being a parent, being a student, whatever it is, I get busy. And whatever job you do, whether it's 50, 60 hours a week, or maybe you're a, a stay-at-home mum and, and your hours are, how many hours are there in a week? Yep, that's, 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 your, uh, that's how many hours you work each week. Um, whether you're a student, it could be school, homework, after-school activities. If we don't take time for rest, if we don't make rest a large rock in our lives, it's going to affect our lives. It could affect our jobs. It could affect our work. Take a look at this video here. So this morning I've asked the uh, lighting people just to raise the lights a little bit more because I'll be watching you now, just looking out there just to make sure that everyone's uh, not using this as their opportunity to make room for rest. This is something to do after church. So, um, but can you imagine that? I actually, I have a friend who's a pastor and uh, he said, man, he goes, sometimes I'll, I'll have these appointments where I'll be counseling someone and uh, I, I've, I've learned now not to make them in the afternoons, like after lunch, because uh, this happened to me once, he told me, he said, I was in an appointment and I was counseling this lady and she was talking and talking and, you know, she had a lot to say. And I just remember suddenly just going, <gasps> looking up, she was just sat there. <laughs> it was just like awkward. And she goes, it's okay. She goes, you, you did fall asleep. And he's like, I am so sorry. He goes, was I out for long? She goes, about 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm ever so sorry. She goes, oh, it's okay. I, I didn't want to disturb you. So anyway, he was, he was, my husband, this is the problem I've got. And she just carried right back on. I mean, she was, she was on a roll. She wasn't going to let a little nap in the middle interrupt her time to share with this. So, so, you know, it can affect us. You know, if we're not getting enough rest, it can have an impact on our lives. So you, this morning, the kind of rest that I'm talking about, you know, the Bible actually talks about it. It calls it Sabbath. Okay. You may have heard that word, the word Sabbath. Um, it's a term that we hear in the Ten Commandments. Back in the, uh, the Old Testament, Moses uh, wrote out the Ten Commandments. And originally, the Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. And the commandment that he wrote, it says six days. This was God's commandment to us. He says, six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest. But we're not talking about just returning to the Old Testament practice of not working on the seventh day, per se. We're talking about making room in our lives when we intentionally don't do certain things so we can do life the way God designed it. You know, there's another phrase. Uh, it's a Hebrew phrase. It's very old. It's called, and it says, Shabbat Shalom. And what it means is Sabbath peace. And in the Bible, when they were talking about that, they were talking about that, that peace that God wants us to discover. And here's what I hope you'll get today, that God wants us to reorder those rocks in the jars of our lives in such a way that when we work, we're working from a place of rest instead of having to rest from a place of work. And you might say this morning, well, that's just semantics. That's kind of the same thing. But I, I don't think it is. There's a difference between resting and empowering ourselves to be able to work as opposed to having to rest because of the work. See, we usually rest from a place of work. We work, work, work. We go, go, go. And then we rest. So we can work, 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 go, go, go some more. That's resting from a place of work or basically falling asleep in the armchair at the end of the day. But working from a place of rest is different. Working from a place of rest means, I think, well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's look at Jesus because... We, We've done that every week in the uh, Making Room for Life series. So let's take a look at his life here and let's see how he demonstrates to us what it means to work from a place of rest. 
You see, I've got to be honest, I, this is going to sound comical, but when I was preparing this message, right now I'm at a unique stage in my life. So six months ago, we, 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 well actually a year ago, we began this journey to launch Connect Church. Six months ago in September, four or five months ago, whatever it was, we actually started here. So my rhythm of life has changed completely. I'm now in this new position. I'm the lead pastor of this new church and, and people are coming and it's exciting and, and I'm finding myself really busy. That's why this message is really challenging me. And you know what? I actually had the audacity as I was preparing this and I was praying and, and I knew that I was going to talk about Jesus. And I actually kind of found myself saying, yeah, but God, I'm, I'm going to be more busy because I'm planting a church. You don't understand what that's like. <laughs> then I kind of realized that Jesus himself, the guy who's my role model, he planted a church himself. In fact, he planted the church. So if Jesus can figure out getting this rock right, if Jesus can figure out what it means to work from a place of rest, then I probably should be able to figure this out. So let's look at how he works through this. There's a guy by the name of Mark, and he was one of the four writers that wrote the story of the life of Jesus and the story of what took place throughout Jesus' life and ministry. And Mark tells this, this great account of something that happened between Jesus and the disciples. It says that Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. Those were the disciples, or sometimes we call them the apostles. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So basically what Jesus is saying here is, you've been with me for a while now, you've watched me and you've, you've learned from me. Now you have permission to go out there and do as I have done. So they went out and they preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. You know, what it's saying here is that they went out and they were doing the things that Jesus was doing. They were casting out evil spirits. They were healing sicknesses. They were helping people find God. And then they come back and listen to what the story says. It says the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I read um, passages like this in the Bible, I try and picture what that must have been like. And I don't imagine those 12 apostles sitting down and very orderly kind of going through one at a time. Yes, and then this happened, and then this. I think it was just like all of them talking at once, all of them talking over the top of each other. Yeah, and I did this, and and Jesus, guess what happened? And then another one's like, yeah, that happened to me as well. And, And they're just excited, like a bunch of middle school boys, just all telling their stories of this amazing time that just happened. Yesterday, Case and I, we got to watch Ben play basketball. I love watching Ben play basketball. I haven't got a clue what's going on, but he looks like he's really good out there. He's running around, he's catching, he's throwing, so I think he's, he's doing good. And um, yesterday he happened to win, and uh, it, honestly, wasn't it? Like for an hour afterwards, I'm getting play-by-play commentaries. Dad, do you see when I did this? And do you see when I did that? And I got that, that three-point, and, and he's just excited. He can't wait to tell me all the things that went on. And I picture that scene here with these disciples. I picture them coming back and saying to Jesus, and then this happened, and then this happened, and and them excitedly telling them all that went on. But this was an intense season of productivity for them. A lot took place. So listen to what happens next. It says, then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And Jesus knew what was going on here. So he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, I think of that. I'm like, man, that was the most exciting thing. We need to send you guys right back out again. You're on a roll. Things are happening. Let's, let's, let's capture the moment. Let's capture the momentum here. Let's get you out there and, and do some more stuff. And Jesus says, no, let's go to a quiet place and get some rest. 
And you see, I think Jesus understood here there had already been a time of rest for the disciples because they hadn't done this before. Then he sends them out to do this ministry and then he pulls them back and says, listen, you need some more rest because Jesus knew what lay ahead of them. And he wanted to learn, he wanted them to learn what it was like to, to work, to serve him out of rest and not have to rest because of serving him. Knowing they would be doing more, Jesus tells them to rest. And one of the things they would have learned from Jesus is how to start each day. They would have seen Jesus start his day by getting up early and making room for time with God before he did anything. His work flowed out of rest. He worked from that place of rest. Not rested from a place of work. He made sure that this was one of the largest rocks that went in his jar first every single morning. And here's why I think he knew this was important. You see, Jesus would have known the scriptures. He would have known this verse that I'm about to read from the Old Testament. One of the psalm writers wrote this verse. And Jesus would have known this verse. This verse in Psalm 46.10, it says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Jesus would have been out doing ministry, preaching and teaching and healing and, and doing all these things. But he would have known this idea of be still and know that I am God. So let me explain to you this morning what that, that really means. You see, the, the verse was written originally in Hebrew, and that word, be still, it literally means cease striving. Cease striving. Stop with the go, 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 work, work, work. Cease striving. And when it says, know that I am God, it's not saying believe in God or remember there's a God. It means encounter God experience God, draw close to God, come into conscious contact with God. So being still in this situation, it's not about sitting cross-legged, meditating or something like that. Being still is about ceasing our striving, hitting the off button, or at least hitting the pause button on all the stuff that we're doing and experiencing God in our lives. And as I said, as I examine my own life, this is something I'd like to do better. I'd like to make this rock more of a priority in my life. And this should encourage you this morning as it encourages me. And that is to remember that if I was to tell you, hey, next weekend, let's run a marathon together. Odds are most would say, I'm just not going to be able to do that. But if we were to train for it and we were to work our way up to it, then one day, maybe miraculously, <laughs> we'd find ourselves running a marathon you start small and you work up to it. So, so this is how God's kind of been challenging me is, is, Dave, in your life, start small. Look for areas where you can, can slow down. Look for areas where you can be still. And it may be small at first, but as you build up and build up, you'll get to that point where you really experience what I, I talked about earlier, that, that Sabbath peace. So here are some of the start small areas that I want to share with you this morning. Just some real practical things that you can kind of set maybe one or two or all four of these as goals in your life and say, okay, those are those areas where I'm going to start small and, and work up from there. And believe me, when I, when I list every one of these, it's like wincing as I say them. Because the first one, ceasing from cell phones and technology. My wife's like, oh yeah, <laughs> preach that, Dave Jane. <laughs> Do you remember what life was like before our phones got smart? Wasn't I don't. <laughs> it's like so part of my life now. I, do you know, I, there was a time when we used to go out for coffee, and that's what we did. <laughs> we went out for a coffee. We don't do that anymore, do we? We, we decide we're going to go out for a coffee, so we jump on Facebook. Hey, head into this place for coffee. Anyone heard anything about it? 
And then we sit there for 10, 15 minutes, just wait for some feedback. Yeah, I love it. Get this drink, do that. Oh, okay. It's become a social activity. Then when we get to the coffee shop and we, we, we order our drink, we get it and we set it down on the table. And then what do we do? We don't drink it. We Instagram it. We, we, we take a picture of it at an angle. <laughs> and then we put a filter on it because it doesn't look right just being a regular cup of coffee. It's got to like, look like a vintage cup of coffee. And then, um, then we post it. Hashtag chilling. Hashtag latte. Because we're at the coffee shop. And we want everyone to know, you know, like, hey, I'm not here just to drink coffee. I want you all to be a part of this experience with me. And then instead of just sitting there quietly, thoughtfully drinking your coffee, you spend the entire time on your cell phone just to make sure that everyone you know is experiencing it with you. They're liking it. Nice coffee. Great picture. It's a crazy world that we live in. Check, check out this video here. And if you find yourselves living in that world, <laughs> being part of a group of people and feeling like you're the only person there because everyone else is checking their phones and, and again... This is hard for me to teach. Casey's like, uh-huh, you better be listening to what you're saying, buddy. So there's one area that we could find to, to still our lives, to be still and to experience God, would be to, to take a moment for to cease from technology. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. None of these things are wrong. But if they become the big rocks in our life at the expense of rest, then I think they do become wrong. The second thing is, is multitasking. Do you remember when you just used to watch a show and that was it? How many of you know when you watch a show, you've got your laptop out or your iPad? Because you can't just watch the show and nothing else. I mean, you've got to be checking online at the same time. And, you know, because you can. This wonderful world we live in, we can multitask now. We can do six things at once. And don't get me wrong, I, I love technology, but it changes who we are. Because what we do is, because we're so used to multitasking, I was in a situation recently, I'm not sure if she's here this morning, but a lady in our church, we were helping her actually move back into her home, and, and we were there talking, and, and as we were, I'm literally, it's just me and her talking in her living room, my cell phone buzzed in my pocket, and as we're talking, I just took it out and glanced, and it was quite a, um, a, an important message that came through, and I just found myself, like, reading it and thinking, oh, yeah, and I just looked up, and she was still talking, <laughs> And there was that awful moment where I had to just say, I am so sorry. I just, in the middle of talking to you, I just suddenly went off to another place. And this idea of multitasking that we think is a good thing, but sometimes it doesn't allow us to be fully present in one area alone. We've lost the ability to just stay in the moment. How about this one? Taking a break from hurry. All of our lives, we're hurrying and, and rushing to get here and there and, and working so hard. And, and you know this is you. You're at the grocery store and you're analyzing the checkout lines because you know that this could save you valuable seconds if you choose the right checkout line, the right lady, the fast. If you're pulling up to the lights, I'm going to go behind that car because I want to save some time here. And I, and I find myself, you know, getting mad at, at the kids saying, guys, we've got to leave. Come on, hurry up, hurry up because we're hurrying everywhere, everywhere. The problem isn't that... Um, we've, we've figured out how to prioritize in our lives. We're just trying to squeeze more into the time that we've got. How about this one? Decision-making. Have you ever thought about the, the pressure and the amount of energy that we spend in just making decisions each day? You know, according to a study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, it says that we underestimate how making even basic decisions like where we're going to eat, what show we're going to watch, what we're going to do next, they're all stressful decisions. 
Decision-making of any kind requires a certain kind of mental and emotional energy that drains us, even if it's good decision-making. Now, as I said, obviously none of the above are bad. In fact, all are necessary. And they get us through each and every day. But imagine if we were to carve out some time, maybe a few minutes, an hour, an afternoon, a day, where we were to cease from some, maybe all, of those activities. What would that be like to experience that kind of rest? Now again, don't get me wrong, we're, we're going to need to start with some small steps here. For some of us, just the idea of putting this in airplane mode. Did you know you could use airplane mode when you're not on an airplane? <laughs> just found that out this week. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. You can use airplane mode for an hour and be completely undisturbed. It's terrifying, isn't it? What if something happens during that hour? But, but you can do it. And I think a full amount of time dedicated to rest, even if we start with those baby steps, we can experience that, that Sabbath that I was talking about earlier, that the rest that God can give us in our lives. We can, we can then go into our work from that place of rest instead of having to find ourselves exhausted in that place of rest because of how busy we are. You know, I know this can work. I know it because I know of a family who, who have, have done this as an experiment and now live this as their lifestyle. And this particular family, it's a, a husband and wife. Their, par- their parents are two small preschool children. And get this, every week they take a whole day to Sabbath together. That's, the, that's what they've worked up to. And now they take this whole day every, way to Sabbath, every week to Sabbath together. So listen to this. They do no work. No errands, no smartphones, not even any cooking. They actually prepared their meals ahead of time, so all they have to do is eat them. They haven't even got to decide what to eat. That decision has been made. Just to remove those decisions. My initial reaction to that was, seriously? (laughs) But she shares in this, this story, she's talking about it. She says, I had two boys under the age of two. A new home, a new city, and I worked outside of the home. I had a distinct sense of frustration about my frenzied pace. So it irritated me that God wanted me to be still and know that I am God with all that I had to accomplish. Maybe some of you are feeling that way this morning, like, come on, if you knew how busy I was. She says, but I wanted to get that monkey of busyness off my back for at least a day. So my husband and I, we began to hold one day a week sacred. No laundry, no cleaning, no cooking, no working one day of the week. She said, I may need to clean the house a little extra the day before. I may need to get the crock pot loaded up to prepare the night before. But one day a week, we Sabbath. We read, we pray, we play, and we sit. It's my guilt-free day off. And listen to what she says. I love this, this quote. In fact, I put it up on the screen. It says, Sabbathing gives me a perspective on my life to separate what's important from what is merely urgent. God's presence flows into my day and into the rest of the week in a way that is absent when I don't stop once per week. As I said at the beginning, if you're like me here this morning, this of all the rocks could be one of the hardest challenges you faced. The challenge to do nothing. In the world in which we live, that is a very difficult expectation to put upon ourselves. But what I'm learning as, I, as I've prepared this message, as I'm studying this, is if, if I want to have the kind of life that Jesus wants for me, I need to work from a place of rest and not the other way around. So, so here's the challenge I've given myself, and I'm going to invite you to join me in this challenge if you feel up to it. Two things. The first is, this is a baby step, and every one of us can, can work this into our schedules. It's starting our days right. 
is that first thing before anything else, just start by spending that time in rest. It may just be a few minutes in the morning, and you may use that time to read your Bible. You may sit and pray and and just talk to God. You may sit and just collect your thoughts and just think through what's happening that day. Maybe you'll listen to some music or some worship music. Some of you may journal and just write down some thoughts. But it's that time at the beginning of the day before you switch the computer on, before you turn on the TV to watch the news, before you've pulled out your iPad to check the scores or to check the weather. And you're saying, I want to start out by being still. I want to cease striving before the busyness of the day comes upon me. And I want to be present each morning this week to be with God in his presence. I challenge you, if you try that, that may, that may be a, just a breakthrough in your lives to be able to experience more out of work because you're now working out of a place of rest instead of the other way around. And here's the second challenge. This is the, the, the first mile run that's going to lead us up to that marathon. The second challenge is look at your schedule and try and find some time. And maybe this is a family exercise. Maybe as a family you say, hey, hey, family, we're going to take some time. We're going to be together. It could be a Sunday afternoon. It could be a Friday night. But we're going to use this as time of of Sabbath time. We're going to do things. We're going to shut off technology. Your kids will think this is a punishment. (laughs) Most of you will think this is a punishment. (laughs) Your kids will be like, how can we do that? That's terrifying to think that I will be out of contact with everyone I know. But, but just use that time to just, to just be still, to remove the hurry, the distractions, even the decision-making. And I want to challenge you as we close out this series that whether it's generosity or God or mission, whatever these big rocks have been, maybe there's one or two that have stuck out to you. Maybe there are some that you're like, man, I want to do all of those. But maybe this morning as I've talked about this, some of you, if you're like me, the busy people, you're like, God... I know that's me. Because that illustration that we showed in the video is true. Some of you are scared that if you take time out to just rest, you'll lose time. Do you know what? All those small rocks, they'll still fit. Every one of those things you have to do during the week, they'll still get done. You'll be amazed at how, at the end of the week, you still are as productive as you were before. But by making a time of rest a large rock and putting that in the jar of your life first, you'll find this much more experience, that life that Jesus said, the life um, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You'll experience that full, abundant life that Jesus is talking about.